0: (laughs) At the early service when we were doing the affirmation of faith, I said the communion of sins and the forgiveness of saints, (laughs) which I I guess also works, but it's better the other way around for sure. Uh, We're in the middle of what I've affectionately been referring to as uh, eight weeks of awesomeness, highlighting over the course of this back-to-school season the ministries here at Christ United. Over the first four weeks in August, we talked about youth ministry, children's ministry, women's ministry, and then last week we talked about music ministries. I love those white stoles, by the way, on the blue, on the new blue uh, robes. It's fantastic. Uh, Today, as you're going to see in the offering video, we're highlighting our critically important care ministries. Our care ministries here are truly a a strength, and uh, you'll be interested to see that video. These eight weeks of awesomeness have spanned or will span two different sermon series. And so for the first four weeks, we talked about the story of Abraham and Sarah. You can catch that online if you missed any of them and would like to get caught up. Today, we're starting a new series. Now, you you may remember back in the spring, uh, we did a series called Faith Matters, where we explored the question of why the message of Christianity is important. We talked about the foundational theological principles of the Christian message and why it matters that we have placed our faith in Christ. Well, today we go from Christianity generally to much more specifically the church. We'll be spending the month of September answering the question, why church? As in, why does it matter that we have a a church home that we go to every week? How does it make a difference uh, in our lives, in our community, in our world that we share life together in the context of a particular community of faith? So, in the coming weeks, we're going to be talking about how we grow in our faith. We're going to be talking about the mission of the church to serve others. We're going to talk about the life giving and life sustaining fellowship of the church. Uh, that all is what is ahead. But so before we get into our specific subject for today, I want to acknowledge my own bias about why church matters. Obviously, I think church matters, but it's not just because I'm a pastor. I definitely believe that Christ United is an incredible place to call home. I believe that we do transformative ministry here a ministry that is purpose, purposeful and meaningful. Uh, I want to do everything in my power, as I know you do, to make sure this place grows and thrives and endures so that it's here for our kids and grandkids to raise their families someday, all of which is important to be sure. But it's more than that for me. I've spent almost my entire life as a member of one church or another. I wandered for a few years in my 20s, that's not an uh, an uncommon story, but then my wife Whitney and I, uh, we were actually not quite engaged at the time, found a Methodist church in Richardson. But for the most part, my own life's journey has included a close connection to the church, so much so that at this point in my life, I can't imagine my life without it. So my formative years as a child were spent at st mary's catholic church in barnesville maryland i went looking for this image this week and it just it just touched me deeply this is exactly how i remember st mary's if if you grew up in the church you probably have an image of your home church maybe for i mean for some of our kids maybe for some of y'all this is the home church which is awesome Uh, you've heard me say before that our family rarely missed worship we attended religious education classes my stepfather and i uh, attended men's fellowship breakfasts we participated in the big church-wide fundraising events we did service projects around the church Uh, saint mary's is where i was blessed with my my grounding in the faith it's where i learned what it means to be a christian my original church home formed me as a disciple and truly set the the spiritual direction for my life. And then I went off to Notre Dame where the church played a prominent and formative role. Uh, there was literally worship mass, we called it, in every dorm, every Sunday, <laughs> every dorm on campus had a mass at some time of the day. Uh, we were taught as Notre Dame students to approach life through the lens of our faith, theology and the church were interwoven with all aspects of life at Notre Dame including, of course, show me that picture. There you go. That is Touchdown Jesus. (laughs) Properly speaking, that's the Word of Life mural, but everyone knows him as Touchdown Jesus, watches over every home game at Notre Dame. So the Irish kickoff tonight, 6.30, ABC, at Florida State. If you need something to watch tonight, I even have my shamrock tie on, because it's a game day. (laughs) When Whitney and I started attending uh, a Methodist church just down the road from here. We got deeply involved in our local congregation years before I joined the church staff. We volunteered for mission projects, that was actually the first thing we did. We have started volunteering with the youth, we helped start a young adult Sunday school class. We even did that most Methodist of things, Uh, we agreed to serve on a couple of committees. And during our time in Henrietta and in Sherman and now here, church truly has been a second home for our family. Uh, pastors, kids certainly see the church as a second home. And it's not work for me. I love life in the church. I cannot imagine uh, not doing life in the church. So for a whole host of reasons, I am entirely biased on the subject we're gonna be talking about for the next four weeks. And I know for a fact, that many, maybe most of you are too. But for the newcomer, for the person not raised in the church or with very little history in the church, for the people that we've not yet met, but who we hope will call this place home someday, what story do we have to tell about why church matters? Not just Christianity, not just a relationship with Christ, but church. How would we answer the question of why it is that all of us invest so much of our our time and our energy and our money and our spiritual gifts helping to build and strengthen and grow the church. That's what we're going to be talking about for these four weeks. There was a bishop here in the North Texas conference who used to say, uh, there are two things that every Christian must be prepared for, at all times the first is to die (laughs) and frankly that always seemed a little dark to me but I did understand his point our faith in Christ assures us that what comes next is good but the other thing he said that every Christian must be prepared to do at all times is to pray In an annual conference every year in front of the thousand or so delegates from all around North Texas, he would call on people randomly to go to the microphone and pray at various occasions. I used to be terrified (laughs) that he would call on me (laughs) because I grew up praying memorized prayers (laughs) or at least pre-written prayers. I was sure that I was going to get up he said, Reverend Dowd, vote, uh, Pray for this vote upcoming. And I'd get up and say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. (laughs) Like I'd freeze, I was afraid of that. It's a great prayer, just not what the bishop had in mind uh, in in the moment. (laughs) Making up prayers off the top of my head, what I I used to refer to as free prayer, was very much out of my comfort zone for a long time. I'm obviously over that now. uh, But the point is that prayer is foundational to the Christian life. Why church? Well, because this is the place where we pray together. So, to th- help us think about this subject, we're going to turn to a reading from the early years of the church. This is from the opening uh, chapter of Paul. Uh, it's attributed to Paul. This is letter to the Ephesians. We're going to re- just a short reading today, chapter one, verses fifteen to nineteen. So, listen, friends, for the word of God as it is proclaimed by God's servant, the author of Ephesians. of his glorious inheritance among the saints? And what is the imme- immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Uh, you may know the name Bill Moyers. Uh, Moyers was uh, a well-known uh, journalist for decades, well-known voice in the American political landscape in particular for decades. Over the course of his long career, he worked for PBS and CBS and NBC. He's actually an ordained Baptist pastor and he was the commencement speaker at SMU the year that I graduated from Perkins School of Theology. Well, very early in his career. Decades and decades before I uh, go, and before I was born, he served as the press secretary for President Lyndon Johnson. And if you know anything about Johnson, you know that he could be a bit domineering at times, a bit profane at times. And one day at lunch um, at the White House, Moyers was saying grace before the meal. They had a Baptist pastor on staff, so they figured here's the guy who can say uh, grace for us. So Moyers is praying. Speak up, Bill, shouted Johnson down the table. I can't hear a blankety-blank thing you're saying. Moyers answered quietly, I wasn't addressing you, Mr. President. (laughs) 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 I guess Johnson didn't like that, but it's a pretty good retort. So in the Christian tradition, uh, there is an incredible diversity of words and styles and Uh, purposes of prayer, growing out of the rich diversity of cultures and theological traditions. In our history, there are lots of ways to pray, and there are lots of reasons to pray. But there are at least two commonalities at the heart of all Christian prayer. First, uh, as Moyers pointed out, and I know this seems like an obvious point, prayer is always addressed to God. God is always our dialogue partner in prayer, and keeping that in mind uh, helps us to remember two great theological truths. There is a God and it's not me. Second, uh, even though we're addressing God, prayer absolutely has the power, and some might even say the goal, of transforming us. (laughs) Because in addition to being an act of humility, prayer is an act of openness, ideally. It's a a willingness to be um, others Centered, as opposed to self-centered, something that I think most human beings don't come by naturally. Prayer can be intensely personal, as a daily, ideally, uh, connection to God. Prayer can, and I would argue, should be a family discipline, where each day God is invited into family routines at mealtime or at bedtime or at any other time that seems appropriate, just prior to kickoff, maybe. What we're talking about today and what Paul is talking about in the opening chapter of the letter to the Ephesians uh, is prayer in the context of the community of faith, in the life of the community of faith, beyond the personal, uh, beyond our individual families. Communal prayer, the prayer of the community, uh, has been since the earliest days of the Christian movement, since the earliest days of house churches, It's been a central part of what it means to be the church together. In the letter to the Ephesians, we read in those opening verses um, that believers should live their lives together prayerfully so that God, quote, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him. It's a way of knowing God. It's a way of God revealing wisdom, God revealing God's will, so that, quote, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Through prayer, then, uh, we ask God to form us into the people that God would have us be. And the life of prayer in the church takes many forms. We, we pray together, of course, in worship. That's the thing we do most often together as prayer. We call ourselves to worship with prayer. We pray a creed as a community of believers. We pray the communion liturgy as we're about to, the baptism liturgy, which we'll do after the 11 o'clock service today. For a young family. We pray uh, the Lord's Prayer, we sing a prayer of thanksgiving after the offering and the doxology. But it's not just in worship that we pray together. At just about every meeting or class or Sunday school or Bible study, the gathered, faithful, uh, open, or close with prayer, sometimes both, and we do that in order to center ourselves, to remind us why we're there, to remind us of our common purpose and our unity in Christ. We, we do that to seek God's guidance and wisdom, depending on what that gathering's all about. And this fall, we're intentionally offering a variety of opportunities for each of us to deepen our prayer life so that we might be a praying community of faith. You may have signed up for the Pray For Me campaign. Our church members and Sunday school classes have adopted over 1,500 students who are members of this church from infants in our preschool all the way through our college kids, committing to pray for them throughout the year. You know, that kind, of, that kind of group project, that kind of congregational project is a powerful witness. You can also join our new prayer team. That's a group of people that are coming together to commit to pray for the concerns that are lifted up by our community. That team's gonna launch on September 22nd. We'd love as many people to join that team as are interested If you want to learn more about prayer, if you're kind of an intellectual person, we have a men's prayer study uh, launching September 27th. We have a prayer retreat here uh, at church on Saturday, November 6th. If you'd like to do some self-study on prayer, we've got an incredible library here at Christ United where you can check out books to learn more. And after worship today, I really hope you'll take a moment to go over to Candler Chapel. So we have a chapel here at the church as you walk out the doors of the sanctuary it's the hallway to the left of the welcome desk. It's the first door on your left and it's been recently remodeled by our incredible men's service group. They added a prayer wall where you can leave your prayer requests to be lifted up with others in the community of faith. It's beautiful. You should really check it out. And then in the atrium this morning, members of our prayer team along uh, that includes uh, Reverend Paige Christian are going to be there and available to answer your questions, to connect you with resources, to help you discern how you might deepen your prayer life. So I really hope you'll stop by and see them because uh, prayer has always been at the heart of Christian community. As Ephesians puts it, prayer is what helps, it's a great phrase, enlighten the eyes of our heart because it comforts us, it sustains us, it transforms us. However it is that you pray, I hope you'll add our congregation to your daily devotions. You may recognize the name or may not recognize the name of Corrie Ten Boom. It's kind of an unusual name. She was from the Netherlands. Uh, She's a remarkable figure in 20th century Christian spirituality. Her family helped rescue Jewish families from the Nazis during World War II. That was an act of bravery and faith that would ultimately land them in a concentration camp. She survived, and then after the war, she became a prolific author and speaker, offering words of insight and inspiration For Christians around the world And on our subject for today She once asked Is prayer Your steering wheel Or your spare tire (laughs) Hmm. Which is to say Is prayer a driver In our lives Or a fallback plan When things go wrong As a church Let's make prayer the priority That it was intended to be (laughs) Amen Amen